say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the Grace Davis again. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Well, how's everybody doing? How is everybody doing today? Anything happened yesterday? Glad to have you in on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Didn't go so hot last night down in uh, lovely Clemson, South Carolina. 18.0. They could have been uh, a number a lot larger than 18. I feel the whole game in many ways was summed up for those of you watching on TV at some point in the morass of the second half when the Orange were just getting bumped. Dan Bonner, you know, mismathed and misspoke. And it's like, well, Syracuse can do this, that, and this, and that. They can begin digging out of this 13-point hole. And then he kind of chuckled and said, oh, 23. You know, what's 10 points between friends? That's the kind of night it was. You know, oops, they're down by 10 more than they were a few seconds ago. Just, um, it was brutal. It was brutal last night. It's been brutal the last two. We've had a we had a nice spell of, you know, setting aside wins and losses. I know how we all love to do that. We had a nice spell of good games. Up until this last week, there had been like one clunker in two months. The Virginia Tech game. And now it's back to back of the two clunkiest clunkers that we have seen in a minute. Just not good. Not good. We'd love to hear your thoughts uh, today at 315-437-7644. Phone lines will be open uh, much of the show today. We'll bring in uh, Isaac Shade of the uh, Locked On College Basketball Podcast at 2.30. Try to talk a lot of ACC with Isaac. He also covers uh, North Carolina closely. Carolina got a win last night against Notre Dame. Carolina, Wake Forest, and Syracuse are all currently tied at uh, 9 and 8 in the ACC, which would be 7th through ninth in the standings if we're in the mood to talk standings today. And, you know, based on our conversations on postgame uh, last night with me and Devo and uh, listening to Orange Nation the last couple hours, I don't know if it's a standings kind of day, people. I don't know if it's a net kind of day. This has been a more of a, a big-picture conversation uh, kind of last, what are we at now? 16 hours or or so, give or take. 17 hours. We are 17 hours since postgame started last night. So for the last uh, 17, 18 hours or so, it's not been so much um, breaking down the pick and roll. Save for the zone defense. People want the uh, the zone broken down. That's, uh, that's a different discussion or can be our discussion today, wherever you want to go with it. At 315-437-7644-ESPN44. But not good. Not good last night. And as we talked about last night on the postgame show with Devo, you know, what what disturbs me most about these last two games is not some, you know, big picture existential thing. It's like, what, how did it do this now? Like the team had been playing, you know, they, they'd not been up to the standard that we want for Syracuse basketball, like historically, but the team had been progressively improving, it felt like, over the course of the season. November was, ah, what's happening? December got better. 
January got better. February, you know, there, there's the losses to Virginia and Miami and Carolina that we've talked about ad nauseum. But, you know, the team had been improving and had just come off its biggest win of the season. It's now nine days ago. Feels like it was nine years ago now. Oh, yes, that NC State. I remember back then. That was nine days ago. Team had its biggest win of the season, and things have imploded. Imploded in a week. It's spectacularly stunning. And I don't know how to explain it. For a team that, you know, once we saw them play this year, set aside preseason talk, thoughts, whatever, once we saw them play, like the limitations on the team were evident once we saw them play, but young team should get better. We're getting better. And then drove off a cliff Saturday against Duke. And, um, you know, and like the, the Bugs Bunny and the, the Acme and all that, like when you fall off the cliff, like it's a long fall, but you, you, you get there before the end of the scene and there's a cloud of dust. The Arch fell off on Saturday and kept falling all the way through last night. I, I wondered how the loss on Saturday would affect last night. I was hopeful it would add something to the team last night to be able to bounce back. And, you know, Clemson's a decent enough team. I'm not saying win the game, but certainly, you know, let's have a close game. Let's go back to what we had been watching for the last month, all close games, and then figure out if you can win it down the stretch. But just a complete no-show last night. Complete no-show. And Devo talked about it last night on post game that the most – and this is both inexplicable and inexcusable. The lack of, the apparent lack of effort, the apparent lack of effort on defense. Now, yeah, obviously to be a good defender, you do need like a minimum level of physical talent, but let's go out there and assume that at the college basketball level and the Syracuse ACC scholarship basketball level, everybody's, everybody's cleared the minimum. Now, you may not be able to scrape the maximum. I'm not asking you to be Bill Russell or Dennis Rodman or whatever out there. But defense is mostly effort and paying attention. Like, know what you're supposed to do and go do it at the maximum effort that you can expend. Offense, you know, the skill, I think there's skill in defense, but the skill on the offensive side of the ball is way more significant than the skill of the defensive side of the ball. Like, it takes a lot of skill to make the ball go in the basket. It takes a lot of effort to stop the other team from making the ball go into the basket. And I think Devo hit it on the head last night. And these two things should not be tied together, but they apparently have been for Syracuse the last two games. When Syracuse does not see the ball go through the basket at their end of the floor, it appears they are not trying as hard at the other end of the floor to stop the ball from going into the basket down there. And at this level of collegiate basketball, those two things should not be tied together that way. If anything, they should be tied together inversely. Like, oh my goodness, the ball didn't go out at our end. We better stop it going in at the other end. Like you can almost see if it gets, man, both teams are making shots. You're a little loose. Everyone's getting up and down. You can almost see how something like that would happen. But to have it go the other way, when your shots are going in and then the defense isn't there, that's one of those things that's inexcusable at this level. Not that everyone's a great defender. I'm not asking you to be a great defender. 
but effort. And I say that because Devo said that. I don't think anyone's going to go back in time and accuse Eric of being like the greatest defender in the history of Syracuse basketball, but, you know, he gave it a representative effort out there. Like you got to, and especially when your shots aren't going, it's even more imperative that you go and guard on the other end. And, and that's what we talk about. Like a lot of people called in last night and said, the zone and this, and can the zone work in 2023, not just for Syracuse, but for anyone given the proliferation of three-point shooting and the range that people now have comfortably. Like when you're 25, 26 feet out now, it's no longer like just a, a cookie shot. Now it's part of your arsenal. And uh, yeah, that stretches the angles of, of the zone and uh, what you got to do in it. Uh, certainly more than things would have been stretched ten, and certainly longer years ago than that. That's that's all viable conversation. But people were wide open. People were wide open. And then once you do that early, now you're behind and everything just gets easier for the other team. And I, I think that's the uh, that's the part that stings. Whether the team's good enough or not, so be it. You're going to have good years, you're going to have not good years. The thing you'd hope would be consistent over the years would be the effort. And to, to not see that, you know, I don't know the reason. I think some people want to put it on Jim Bam. Oh, he can't motivate. He's 78. He can't motivate these players. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't think Jim has necessarily changed the way he's a coach. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Some of it's on you as a player. Like you're a scholarship collegiate athlete. That should be pretty good motivation. It's weird. It's weird because I'll say this, like in those close losses, like I, I haven't, we talked about this early in the season. This was a November question. This was post game in November for like almost all of the early season games, wins or losses. You know, the Colgate game, the Bryant game, those games down in the garden. It's like, what? And, you know, we were hammering Chris Bell for it because of the rebounding thing early, but it wasn't just him, but hammering Benny for it. But it felt like the team give or take, for the most part, had moved beyond that being an issue, and then the last two games, just boom. It's right back there. We know we know in the zone you're going to give up more threes. It's not the rule that you have to give up wide open threes. And it is wild how the narrative has turned here in the last week. Like, you're coming out of that NC State game, and, you know, is Syracuse going to make the tournament and all that? Obviously, it was still a very long shot, and now it's completely gonzo if it ever really was there. But the fact that the team was playing in a way that could make us think about trying to concoct a path, that was meaningful, I think, to our enjoyment of it. The fact that we were starting to, you know, all right, well, if this and this and this and this. Now it's just like, ooh, dread. And now you got to go to pit. Oh boy. The team you were down to at home by by 20 a month ago? The team that's playing as well as anybody in the league? In a place that historically you haven't played that well? Okay, then. Good luck to you. The uh, Pitt student section, they're going to have something cooked up for Saturday. That'll, that I am sure. 
That I am sure. Alabama's uh, lucky they're not going to play Pitt anytime soon. I'm uh, doubly, triply sure of that. We'll get into that crazy situation later in the show as well as it continues to be surreal down that way. But just just a, a really, really disappointing last two games. And, you know, we talk big picture a lot about Jim. And it, it is going to be the conversation until we know how it's going to end. This year, next year, the year after, 10 years from now, who knows when. But the uh, when is Jim Beheim retiring conversation gets louder after weeks like this. Now, should it change? Should a big-picture thing like that change off one weekend of basketball? Probably not. But the, the, the general volume of the fan base and of all you out there listening here today in Syracuse and Utica and, you know, we took calls. I forget what it was last night on the postgame show. This shows how spread out you are and you're watching uh, on QSportsTalk.com or listening on the apps or wherever you got us uh, today. You got us on... The iTunes, you got us on the Amazon, you're on the Alexa, you're on whatever. I mean, we we could be uh, wherever. But we had people from, I think it was four different states last night. We had Philly and Jersey and Charlotte and obviously in New York. You know, we hear from Pittsburgh all the time. Like, well, we take calls from all over. Like, people really care about this. And obviously it hits us home right here, but it expands beyond. It's, you know, Syracuse expats or alums or whatever that have uh, headed out in the community and beyond. And the conversation now, it's that. That is the whether we want it to be or not, and whatever the right answer is or not, that is now the conversation of Syracuse basketball amongst the uh, fan base and the community, wherever it may be. The conversation is the future of Jim Beha, which is the future of the team. It, it is. There's no way to separate it at this point anymore. There'd always been some kind of separation in the past. We've re- and that doesn't mean he should retire or is going to retire or any of it. But uh, there is no way to separate conversation up from here on out. It feels like this weekend has, you know, completely locked that in. With three games left in the regular season, whatever's going to happen uh, down in Greensboro and uh, if or what is going to happen after that. Like, it's going to go along with uh, every conversation after every game now for the rest of the year. Until we know one way or another what's happening next. Not that anyone's owed that, but that that is going to be the conversation uh, for the rest of the way. We'll see where it goes, but man, it was... And this is what happens when, when back-to-back games like that happen. And you get drubbed by 40 twice after you're already having an otherwise uh, disappointing season in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't really leave you a lot of other places to go uh, with the thoughts. With that, we will take our opening break on the show today. Phone lines open when we come back at 315-437-7644. For ESPN, 44 is the phone number. we got some Jim Beheim sound. We'll play back to you in due time. He was on Orange Nation about an hour ago. Uh, we'll be hearing from Isaac Shade from the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We'll be doing that coming up at 2.30, and we'll try to keep the phone lines as uh, free as we can here over the course of our two hours together this afternoon because... You know, the therapy couch is open. Come in, lay down, get it off your chest. We'll see if we can't make you feel a little better by the uh, end of the uh, end of the day about Q's basketball. With that, we'll take a break. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is the 315 with Brian Higgins. Uh, that it is. Here we are. Welcome it on this Thursday in the queues. 
think most of the crap was melted off the roads uh, by now. It was a little gross last night, though. That was uh, an over-promise under-deliver a little bit from that storm last night, I, I think. Though we were all uh, safe out on the roads going uh, to and fro, which was nice. And uh, now back to normal here on this uh, Thursday. We're talking Q's Hoops, uh, recapping uh, last night's, I don't know, debacle. It wasn't good. Last night's whatever it was. wasn't great. Phone lines are open, 315-437-7644. Back to the phones. Our friend Dave in Connecticut is on the line. Dave, hello. How are you today? I'm doing fine. I uh, had a competitive game last night to see uh, in the beginning between UConn and Providence. Uh, like I, I called you before, I'm, I'm like right in the middle of UConn and Providence and uh, two teams that are going to the tournament and uh, something to look forward to down here. Um, I've been following Syracuse basketball since before Bayheim became coach. Okay, so that far back. Mm-hmm. Always tuning into a game, they'd be competitive. They'd fall behind, and you'd feel, even if they fell behind early, that they would make a run. Watching the last two games, especially that one last night, when they fell behind 13-3, you knew the game was over. They're not beating anybody that's, that's uh, above them in the standings. Um, no great wins whatsoever. Um, their best win was Boston College. No, their best win. Was, know, their best win was NC State. I mean, let's not forget that one. But, well, yeah, yeah, NC State last week. That was that was a nice win. Um, surprised me a little bit. Um, they were very fortunate to come out of that one. But the games that they've lost this year, the North Carolina game, uh, <laughs> and then they played. Duke, and you figured that, okay, they're playing a Duke team that's down this year. Maybe they can be competitive with them, and 10 minutes into the game, the game's over. Um, they got this Patterson kid coming in next year, the 7-2 kid. Mm-hmm. I guess he's a three-star recruit. He's got nobody else coming in next year other than what they might pick up in the uh, in the portal. <sighs> It's going to be tough for them to. I mean, you guys had him on the air, and he said 17 wins is something that you know he expected this year. Um, I think that we're spoiled. We're we're expecting more than that out of this team. Uh, Jesse gets gets pushed around. Okay, he's six eleven. Okay, he's not built like uh, a Kofi Coburn uh, from Illinois last year. Okay, he's not built like Burns, okay, from NC State. But at least get your butt in the post and and put your hands up. And then when it comes to playing defense, this team's not existent on the uh in the zone. They don't even put up hands. They just run Joe's notorious for this. He runs to the guy, he at least put a hand in his face. I know you're little but but at least a hand in the face will do something to you know the, the offense is one thing i can i can see that they're young and the offense will come from time to time but to not play any type of defense on that in that zone i mean try a man from time to time okay uh, switch it up a little bit. The kids will have more fun out there than uh, to be bickering at each other on the court like they were last night. That was not fun to see. I, I don't know if man's going to solve bickering on the court, but go on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can see them playing a, a, a man-to-man defense from time to time. You know, when they when they switch it up and they, they put that pressure on the ball on the inbounds, that's nice to see. They force the team into turnovers from time to time. Um Copeland should be getting more than uh, a 
few minutes a game. He was the first guy um, off the bench last night. He, he was the first guy off the bench, but it's like it, it would be nice to see that every game. Uh, Hema is, is a kid that he's a project, okay, that we know. But at least when he comes in, it seems like he generates something defensively. I'm not seeing any effort. They, they're not having fun out there. I mean, you look at the, the two seniors. I'll be glad when, when both of them are. I hope that they, like, take the high road and, and leave, okay? Um, I, I've, been a, I've been a downer on Joe all year. I really have. Well, he's know a that. good free throw shooter. He's a, he's, he's a decent outside shooter. This guy should be leading the team more than what he is. To have a freshman come in there like Mintz and to lead the He's the leader on the team, not Joe. Joe's standing there at the end of games like in that NC State game, which they were fortunate to win, and it's Mintz that is like taking charge, not Joe, the senior. You would think it would be the senior, but he's not. Well, Judas, He's not being the, the, Judas, the lead guy. Judas, their best player. Wouldn't you want your best player to take charge? Well, I called you. Uh, I think it was maybe a month ago, yeah. and you were telling me that Joe was averaging 17 points a game at the time. He still is. Okay, he does well against teams, and I, I wish that Syracuse would stop this. UConn used to do it years ago before they became a, a national power. They used to play against the uniform, and you can't do that. You got to play against the team that you're playing. They look at these teams like North Carolina and Duke, and they're in awe. Oh my God, we're playing Duke and North Carolina, um, and, and it, it's it's like they're a deer in headlights. They play against teams that are that are below them in the standings, the Florida State and the Notre Dame. Even though Notre Dame almost beat Carolina last night, at, at least when I see Notre Dame play, and and he's got a two and fifteen team there in the league, they're playing with heart. When the Q's loses, they're not playing with any heart. All right. Uh... So Thanks for taking my call. Okay, Dave. So we want two and fifteen over nine and eight. That's what we want. Uh, yeah, let's be Notre Dame. They stink. Let's be Notre Dame. Now I, I do agree. Like the effort in on the defense, we talked about that. The effort on the defense last night was it was terrible. It, it was terrible. I I am not placing that on the zone. Uh, do we think it would have been better in a man? Like is a man more fun to play than a zone? I, I don't know. Like pressing, I guess, can be fun. I'm not, I'm not worried about really everybody's fun level on the court. They're just not playing well. Kadir Copeland, like everybody wanted Kadir Copeland. He got in there last night, and he he was okay. Like he had that one nice bucket on the fast break, and then what else did he do? Like uh, I like Kadir just as well. Like that, that took a turn there. Yeah, Notre Dame's having fun. I'll tell you this. Notre Dame's won two conference games. They can look like whatever they want. They are not having fun. That's not fun. Their head coach got retired by his AD in the middle of the season. I don't know how much fun Mike Bray's having right now. That's not fun. We could be having more fun. We're always having fun here on this show. Joe Girard, by the way, is still leading the team in scoring in ACC play at 18 points a game. Just to put that out there. Uh, Judas at 16 a game. It's good to have more than one person that can that can score. That can score. Man defense rest of the season. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun, people. We're having fun. Do you want to have fun or are you just saying you want to have fun? I want to have fun. I'm just saying I want to have fun. We'll take a break. Uh, we're going to delve into when we come back, uh, unless you'd like to call 315-437-7644. Uh, I, I think this was Vito last night on the postgame show that brought it up, the, the idea of Syracuse's record against 
you know, the major three in the ACC since joining a decade ago, Duke, Carolina, Virginia. And it's not good. So that intrigued me. I'm like, yeah, it's not good. That's a fact. That's a, that's an indisputable fact. Well, let's go back to the end of the Big East. How do the Orange do against whatever, whatever we're going to call the best of the Big East at the end of the Big East? Let's compare. Compare and contrast. We'll do that when we come back here in the 315, all across central New York, wherever you are, Q's, Utica, Rome, wherever you feel like being today on QSportsTalk.com. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across Central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are. Day after a disaster? Debacle? I don't know. It just wasn't very fun last night. Those might be too strong of words, but it was not a good basketball game last night down at Clemson. The Orange, I thought they had a decent enough chance going in. I was decidedly incorrect because that game was over. Right quick uh, last night. Phone lines open, 315-437-7644. Let's head back to those phone lines. That is where uh, Wayne in the truck is with us now. Wayne, hello. Hey, Brian. So I think you're the perfect person to even mention this to, but I've been trying to process what's been going on with the men's team. And uh, there's some inexplicable losses, some inexplicable regression. There's a lot of talent on this team, and, and the talent – it doesn't seem to be getting it done, but it makes me go back to two years ago, and I get a very similar feeling to what happened with the women's team of two years ago. That roster was had some loaded talent on it, but they just kept losing, and we couldn't ever figure out why. So it makes me wonder, uh, is there something going on behind the scenes? Because the body language last night wasn't good from the get-go. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I I think we'll separate it a little bit because you're right. Uh, like the the women's team, and I'll say this: like the women's team two years ago, and that was uh, the last year Emily Engsler was here, uh, yeah. Tiana was still here, Camilla Cardoso was here. Was that that team? They ended up, I think, it was a nine seed, eight seed, nine seed, whatever. Won their first round game and then got blasted by uh, UConn. I, I think a lot of that you talk about off the court and behind the scenes, and obviously all the Coach Q stuff happened after that season, and everyone transferred. Um, but I, I think a lot. I think that was even spurred on more. It was the COVID year, and like you couldn't go out and do anything, so it like enhanced everything that was wrong. Like any little thing that was wrong got multiplied by by tenfold that year. But uh, yeah, I, I can see that a little bit. I don't think you know comparatively. I think the talent level on that women's team is higher than the talent level on this men's team because you had. Well, I mean, I, I guess like Judah could be Camilla in that scenario. You had a great freshman or whatever. But yeah, I can see where you're getting at. And what's strange to me, Wayne, is I don't get like you know. Guys like Bell and Benny and whatever, like their body language, Benny's body language is all over the map. Bell is just kind of, and Malik, they don't show a lot of emotion, good, bad, or otherwise. But you're right, last night fell off. And I I don't know if it's because they were just playing bad or something else, but yeah, it did feel off the whole game. Yeah, Judah Judah looked frustrated. I mean, he was having one of his best games individually, but he looked frustrated. And and then there were three, four other guys, their body language, you know, slumping shoulders, hanging their head. I I, I don't know, man. I can't explain these losses because, to me, on paper, we should – the talent is there. The basketball ability should be there. It just – it's not working for some reason. Yeah, and uh, you are right, Wayne, and uh, always good to chat. Thanks for the the call today, Wayne. That is uh, Wayne in the truck. That is where Wayne always is when he uh, gives a call. And it's an interesting comparison to that women's team two years ago. That women's team, talent-wise, has way more talent than this year's men's team. 
Like that team was almost all like top 30 recruits. That team was stacked. McDonald's All-Americans, ACC Rookie of the Year, the whole thing. And yeah, chemistry-wise, like Paulie loves the chemistry lab term, that was a chemistry lab where you poured way too much stuff in a beaker and it exploded. Like that year's team, it was a mess. And we saw what happened after the season. It was a mess and they all scattered about. Everyone left. And yeah. So do I think it's to the level of that? Like I don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with this year's team. Um, no. Because that year's team had a lot going on. Um, a lot going on. So do I think it's that? No. But did the chemistry look good last night? It did not. How much is that? Is you're down 10 before you could blink? Like the game was, I don't want to say it was over, but you got a pretty good sense by the first TV time out of the game where we were headed last night. Like, I don't know how much of that just landed on you. Maybe you had a bad pregame meal meeting. I, I don't know. But yeah, the whole experience fell off last night. Back to the phones. Here is Mark in the queue. Mark, welcome in. How are you? Good. How are you, Brian? Very good. What's on your mind? I was just calling uh, about the one caller there that was down on Gerard. You know, it just fans like that just drive me nuts. This kid has come in and, you know, I think people forget their kids. You know, he came in, wasn't a true point guard, played the point for us when we had no one else, changed his game. He's leading the team. It's like, what more do you want the kid to do? No, you, you got a point. And, you know, Gerard has his shortcomings. I think we all agree on that. Like, Joe's never going to be the best defender uh, in the game. And, Mark, uh, thanks for the call. And, you know, Dave, Dave has called uh, multiple times before. And, you know, it usually... Uh, it goes south for Gerard uh, somewhere at some point during the uh, during the phone call, but yeah, I, we get it. Like Joe Gerard is not a great defender; he's not going to be a great defender. Would we like him to be a better defender? Sure. Would it be nicer if he was a few inches taller? It, yeah. Uh, it would be great if I had a million bucks in my pocket too. Like there's just things that ain't going to happen, and uh, that's the way it is. Uh, but you know, every time Dave calls, I have to open up the conference only stats. Here's Gerard in this is ACC games this year. This is not this is not uh, the Cornell game. This is ACC basketball games this year. Gerard is averaging 18 points a game and shooting 39.5% from 3. 18 points a game, 39.5% from 3, 86% from the line. 3 assists per game. 3 rebounds a game. Like you look at the stats and I get it. None of those none of the stats I just mentioned are, are taking defense into account. And that's a lot of it. And and this is not to like defend Gerard, but uh, hey, for the for the Gerard is the biggest problem in Syracuse basketball history crowd. Let's 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 reel it in. Let's reel it in just a wee bit. How about Judah? Judah's averaging sixteen points a game in ACC play. That Judah guy is pretty good. He is pretty uh pretty good. That Judah means. But yeah. The defense last night, and Devo Devo talked about it. And, you know, Devo, Devo's honest. He doesn't like to crush the guys, though. I mean, he's a former player. He doesn't like to crush Jim. I get it. He's a former player on the team. But the defensive effort is the main thing that he put his finger on last night. Defensive effort. Effort is a choice. Effort is a choice. Shots going in isn't a choice. You have a good shooting night, you have a bad shooting night. It happens. 
Like, what was that? That other game a few weeks ago was uh, I called it the best game of Chris Bell's career, and he like was one of nine for three. And I'm like, but he did so many other things, and the effort was great. Where'd that go? And this is not on Chris. It was like the whole team last night. Like, where, where did it go? And I think maybe, and Judah is an emotional player. You he you can wear it on the face. Uh, you can see it on his face. I, I I think that's why he's frustrated. It's like, man, I'm trying to pass the ball. It's not work. Like, where's everybody else? All right, I'm gonna go. Anyone coming with me? Like, that's got to be frustrating. The whole thing, the whole thing last night uh, fell off. But right now, right now, we must dive a bit into a rabbit hole on something that uh, Vito uh, brought up on the postgame show last night. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there, make a lot of noise, and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit. Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble. Oh, 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 oh. All right, so down the rabbit hole we go. Vito brought up Syracuse's record since joining the ACC against the big three of Carolina Duke, and it was that was about the point Virginia inserted themselves in that group. And over the 10 years the Orange have been in the ACC, the Orange are 10 and 37 against those three. That's not good. 10 and 37. I believe, if memory serves, that is like the exact record of Greg Robinson's career at Syracuse. That's not a that's not a thing that you want to have running into each other in any meaningful way. Um, it's also possible the NCAA took half of those wins too. I don't know, but I said okay. We always talk about it. like so they haven't beaten the big teams in the ACC. Like, well, was that the case in the the Big East too? I know Syracuse is a big fish in the pond, but did the Orange struggle against the best of the Big East? So I went last ten years of the Big East, which incidentally turned out to be year after the national title through. Syracuse's uh, end of times in the Big East. I just watched, rewatched Requiem, Requiem for the Big East the other day. It was, it was just on. I'm like, well, okay, still great. CJ Fair still dunks on them. Still great. Anyway, so last ten years of the Big East, UConn obviously is in the mix. One of the better teams. That was when Georgetown was really good. Uh, they made Final Fours. Uh, Pittsburgh always kind of fell apart in the tournament, but they were a power. And you know, maybe Louisville tossed them in as too. So last 10 years in the Big East, obviously Syracuse had good teams. The Orange were 11-10 against UConn, 11-7 against Georgetown, 5-10 against Pitt, 4-9 against Louisville. I tossed Nova in. Nova wasn't quite what Nova became yet, but they had their moments, and the Orange were 9-8 against Nova. I get it. There were other good teams, Marquette and Cincinnati and whatever. But you're looking at the best teams of the Big East then, and the Orange had winning records against most, and they had representative records against the others. Nothing quite like, even Pittsburgh, who Syracuse notoriously struggled with, they still got more wins against Pitt than they've gotten against Carolina, Duke, or Virginia. And then, just for the sake of comparison, Pitt, the Orange against Pittsburgh in that 10-year span, 5 of 10. Since then, they both went to the ACC at the same time. Ironically, they've stunk against the best ACC teams, much better against Pitt. Syracuse 11-10 and 10 against Pitt in the last decade. They were 4-9 against Louisville in the final years of the Big East, 5-4 and four against Louisville in the ACC. It's very weird. So against the, the teams, the best teams in the league they struggled with in the old league, they've been perfectly fine against them in this new league, but can't beat the great teams. But back then, end of the Big East. Now maybe UConn then, what Duke has been? 
or Georgetown to Carolina or something. I guess that's what we're seeing. But Syracuse did just fine against the best teams of the Big East, and now they cannot beat, on a consistent basis, the best teams of the ACC, which then puts undue pressure on the rest of the games. Like, if you can't win those games, now you're in a hole. And you got to dig out of it. It's very interesting. I, I just was curious after Vito said that because it's been obvious the Orange have struggled mightily with those three teams specifically. I mean, I think perfectly fine against everybody else, but struggled mightily against those three teams, and that's going to drag you down. I mean, you got four to five games against those three teams. If that's if that's zero and five or one and four off the bat, like you're behind the eight ball to begin with. In the Big East years, like UConn was never an easy game, and that's a fair fight. Georgetown, never an easy game, but the Orange, that's a fair fight. Pitt, like Syracuse lost more often than they won, but like you weren't, like that wasn't an auto L. Like you beat them plenty enough. So that popped out to me. Like last 10 years of the Big East, the Orange were right there and gave as good as they got against the best of the league. First 10 years in the ACC, Orange have been fine against most of the league, except for the top. And when you can't beat the teams at the top, nothing anyone else says either. That's a different research project for another day. But it becomes a lot harder to climb up the standings when you can't beat the teams at the top. I know there's more problems than that, but it comes into a stark view after looking at the numbers like that when we head down the rabbit hole. With that, we'll take a break, come back, and tell you what's on tap. A Syracuse is playing A Pittsburgh tonight. That's on tap. Tell you about that when we come back and uh, put the wraps on uh, this puppy in this hour. Brought to you by William Matar. Hurt in a car? Call William Matar at 444-4444. Final thoughts when we come back after this and what's on tap here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.